Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Hello and welcome to The Drinking Hour here on Food FM with me, David Kermode. And this week, to mark our new series, a special episode dedicated to the wonderful world of vermouth. It's a firm favourite of mixologists, but there's so much more to it, as we'll find out. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. Such is its illustrious history that vermouth actually began life as an elixir, quaffed in spas and celebrated for its medicinal properties. These days, it tends to be coveted by bartenders rather than doctors for its starring role in the alchemy that is mixology. But it also makes a cracking aperitif in its own right, too. It all began in Turin, so where better to head as we delve into vermouth to learn what it is, what makes it special and what we can do with it? Roberto Bava is the managing director of Cocchi, one of the world's most celebrated vermouth brands, and he is also president of the Consorzio Vermouth di Torino. Uh, Luca Marchiaro is the export manager for Antica Distilleria Qualia, and John Lister is head of creativity at Speciality Brands. He's a cocktail veteran and a judge for the IWSC as well. Um, gentlemen, uh, welcome to The Drinking Hour. Thanks for joining us. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. Uh, Roberto, we're talking to you in your capacity as president of the Consortio as well as uh, managing director of Cocchi. Um, so let's start right at the beginning. Um, what is a vermouth and how is it defined? Vermouth uh, is the most famous Italian aperitivo, of course. Uh, it's defined as uh, an aromatized wine made with 75% of wine by law. It needs to be added with sugar, some alcohol, the extract of several botanicals, which are according to the recipe can change a lot, but being wormwood, the essential one to define the category. So vermouth is because of wine and because of wormwood, plus the extra secret, maybe, recipe uh, of the producer. And we should introduce Cocchi as well, because it is very much a, a reference point uh, for 
uh, vermouth. Uh, I have a favourite bar in Rome that I go to and uh, Salvatore, the mixologist behind the bar, always makes his Negroni uh, with uh, cocky vermouth. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the brand. Well, it's, it's a simple story, but very old. Uh, Giulio Cocchi himself was a barman who decided to move from Florence to Torino uh, to produce his own warm, uh, vermouth and aperitivi. This was exactly 130 years ago. He, he was creative, he invented uh, several aromatized wine, uh, sparkling wine, and, uh, and after 130 years, we still produce uh, that recipe, which proved to be quite modern. Uh, still today, and, and Cocky today is one of the, I would say, driving force uh, behind the Vermouth and Vermouth di Torino renaissance uh, of last decade, and in some way leading the trends, uh, but also working uh, in, in a group with all our colleagues producers. Um, Cocky happened to be, uh, uh, I'm going to say, the right uh, product and, and, and producer where the old cocktail uh, Rinascimento came out. So we were authentic, we, uh, we were natural, um, we were vintage, uh, because there's a kind of uh, taste for the design of uh, that years. And, uh, and we were uh, family owned, but quite well organized to ship all over, uh, being a wine producer uh, as a family. So all these ingredients made, uh, made of cocky a kind of uh, uh, important ingredients for all the barment uh, in, in the continents. And, and actually, we are very happy about this. We are very surprised because uh, don't give it for granted that Vermouth uh, had to come back. But uh, it's happening, and we are very happy. Yes, it's certainly happening. And uh, John, no doubt, will tell us more about that um, uh, a little bit later when we talk about the astonishing uh, success of cocktails and of uh, vermouth. But um, John, you're a, a sort of vermouth uh, fiend, really, a real expert in the category. So tell us about the different styles of vermouth and how we might, might encounter them. Vermouth specifically, you need to probably refer to the old kingdom or principality of Savoy where this bordered the French Alps all the way down to Sardinia. Um, and throughout these areas, you encountered um, different styles of wine and vermouths leading from um, probably the most two famous areas, both being capitals at one point, and that is Chambry and Torino. And within these areas, you would have what we now refer to uh, as French and Italian. And within these, you have different grape varietals, um, a different botanical makeup, but most importantly, you have categories from extra dry to sweet. And within these, you then, as you've uh, uh, mentioned, uh, cocktail uses, um, but also a very different delivery of flavor um, uh, and a beautiful array of category, uh, flavor categories. But n without vermouth labeling, there are a multitude of different uh, fortified and aromatized wines that we can um, uh, dip into maybe at a later date as well. <laughs> I'm going to say, it's a, yes, it's a, a world to explore, that, that's for sure. Um, as I understand it, the, the etymology of vermouth is from the German word uh, for wormwood, Vermouth. So, uh, Roberto, um, tell us what, for those who don't know, 
what wormwood is and why it's so important? Um, yeah, first of all, you're right. The first time we, we read the Vermouth vine is in a book of the 15th century by Arnaldo de Villanova. And there was, was called in German, uh, in the medieval pharmacopoeia books at that time. But we also have the Latin name Artemisia absinthium. In the Northern Hemisphere, uh, there are 200 varietals uh, of it. So it's quite a general bitter herbs, uh, like half a meter high and, and seasonal. Um, but uh, two or three types are only are the ones that are used to produce wormwood, uh, to vermouths. And, and this is the grand wormwood, uh, in Latin is Artemisia absinthium. The Roman wormwood, which is Artemisia pontica, and the third one, and the third one is used historically to produce the Genepi. Um, so actually, these two are the ones, and it happened that uh, Piemonte, the foot of the Alps, uh, is really the place where it, it sounds to be uh, the, the best one. Uh, uh, actually, it also produces less alkaloids, so it's quite uh, healthy to to a to a. a they use for, for uh, drinking. Um, so this is also why Piemonte is the place for, for wormwood historically. So Artemisia uh, is the ingredient. Uh, and it happened that Piemonte is good for, for some specific product like grapes. And we have the wine, the hazelnut, and we have the chocolate, etc. etc. Uh, so Artemis is one of these uh, incredible products that for some reason in Piemonte are perfect uh, to, to grow. Yes, and that gives us a sense of why it was uh, once an elixir as well. Uh, John, Wormwood is an odd name in English, conjures up an image of one of our most famous, notorious jails, Wormwood Scrubs. Took me a while to realise <laughs> why that was so named actually. So just tell us about Wormwood and its importance. As your introduction um, alluded to, it, wormwood has been um, used for medicinal properties for um, thousands of years, um, not just in aromatized wines, but as a Brit uh, with these gentlemen Italians here. We've actually, as well as hops, we used to brew um, wormwood into our beers. So, you know, within the Mediterranean in Europe, it, it has been a ridiculously prolific uh, botanical that has been you know, invaluable to, to our, our growth uh, um, as, as imbibers. But I think the importance of wormwood to us could be summarized as if, if you were to produce a gin, could you regard it a gin without juniper? And I would say that would be the same as with vermouth. Mm. It is integral. Um, to its um, flavor journey, as is the people, as is the grape, uh, as is, is its geography. So, you know, it, it's very, very integral to its journey. It's fundamental, just like you say, uh, gin is just not gin without uh, juniper, uh, certainly in, in, in my book. Uh, but so that's for another day. Um, Luca, um, your export director for another famous name, introduce us uh, to Distilleria Qualia. Yeah, David, uh, Distilleria Qualia is uh, located in Piedmont. So we are in the sub-region of uh, Monferrato. Uh, it's just uh, halfway uh, between Asti and uh, Torino, Turin, and um, and the distillery was established in 1890 by the Qualia family, uh, who owned the distillery ever since. And uh, this is an area, you know, rich 
uh, in history and winemaking tradition. So there are some typical vines uh, here, like Freys and Malvasia, indigenous, and uh, the abundance of, of grapes uh, simply encouraged, you know, uh, the initial production of grappa, uh, the distillation of grappa. That is definitely one of the typical spirits from Piedmont. But later, the distillery focused also on family recipes of liqueurs and vermouth, uh, especially. And uh, more recently, on many products uh, for mixology, such as gin, bitters, aperitifs. So, from a grappa distillery, we gradually expanded the core business, uh, always as a family-owned business, uh, through four generations, and uh, focusing on high-quality craft spirits, uh, liqueurs, vermouth, pursuing the finest quality uh, through our Piedmontese uh, craftsmanship. We grow many of the herbs used for our products, and uh, such as wormwood, uh, uh, that was just mentioned before. Uh, rhubarb, thyme, mint. Uh, we also handpick some wild herbs in our lands in the mountains, like gentian and genepi, for instance. Uh, and we look for the best raw materials uh, locally when possible. And of course, in the national territory of Italy and for our territory, of course, for exotic fruits and spices as well. And of course, uh, with these kind of drinks, uh, there's always a degree of secrecy around the recipe, yeah. but without, um, without getting yourself sacked by blowing the lid on all the secrets. Uh, tell us how uh, vermouth is actually made. Uh, well, uh, vermouth is, of course, based on, on uh, a blend of wines, of uh, Italian wines. Um, uh, we uh, select these wines from uh, vintage to vintage because, of course, uh, nature gives us uh, like some dry seasons, some wet seasons and so so. Uh, even if the recipe is sort of fixed, but you have to adjust a little bit every year according uh, to um, the quality of the, the ingredients, you know, for the vermouth. So uh, technically we have this blend of wines, some from Piedmont, some from other regions as well, in order to balance, you know, acidity and uh, the alcohol ABV uh, and the structure, you know. And then, of course, there is uh, an infusion of uh, different herbs, fruits, spices, uh, flowers, um, that uh, are uh, soaked in, in alcohol for uh, many weeks, uh, in our cases for around 60 days. Um, many of these uh, ingredients, uh, some were mentioned before, of course, the uh, uh, wormwood is, is, is the main ingredient, but also uh, citrus like orange, lemon. Uh, then we have some roots and some like rhubarb, but we have gentian, um, we have some barks like uh, cinchona, then spices like cardamom, thyme, more um, something more Mediterranean like oregano. Uh, then we have vanilla, of course. Uh, we have you know tons of ingredients according to every distillery and the secret secret recipes, of course. Uh, and then this infusion, of course, is um, uh, after it is pressed and separated, so you separate the liquid from, uh, from uh, the solid part. Uh, it, it's then blended with the wines and the alcohol and also sugar uh, in order to make this uh, great Piedmontese concoction that uh, we call vermouth. 
And John, uh, we heard about some of the ingredients and we've already talked about wormwood. Um, for you, as a vermouth expert, what are the, uh, the things that you're most delighted to find in a vermouth? I think um, for me personally, and obviously taste is very subjective, um, but I tend to approach um, my tastings with the, the bartender in mind. The great thing about a, a, the journey of vermouth is to have the enjoyment of the grape first and then the botanical makeup that can entice you in uh, layer after layer of uh, discovery and, 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 and really wanting to reach back for that glass. I think that possibly says more about me than it does the vermouth, but <laughs> it should have layers. It should have complexity. It can stand alone, but very famously, it obviously is uh, integral to, to binding to other flavors, i.e. other spirits in cocktails. So as I'm tasting independently of, of cocktails, I always am thinking of an American whiskey or a, a London dry gin or such and such, always, always in mind, um, for better or for worse, but that's just the way that I go about it. So it's those layers that I always look for, that, that complexity, the, 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 the balance. And yet, of course, at the end of the day, if you put a smile on your face, well, that's just, just a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. And uh, it's uh, always a, a note of rhubarb that I absolutely adore in uh, oh. a, a really lovely vermouth. But uh, you're fascinating on the subject of cocktails. And we're going to talk about uh, the cocktail boom very shortly. But first, here's news of another Food FM programme you might love. Thank you, David. I'm Jenny Linford from Food FM, and I'm exploring the world of cheese, from brie to parmesan and everything in between. So after enjoying the drinking hour, why not listen to my series, A Slice of Cheese? You can find it on your podcast platform and foodfmradio.com. Now back to David and the drinking hour. The drinking hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. It's time to feature the first of our IWSC medal winners from the 2021 awards. And this week, for very obvious reasons, we are dedicating it to vermouth. Here's a familiar one first. Antica Distilleria Qualia Beato Vermouth de Torino Superior Rosso won a gold medal with a whopping 98 points. Um, I sampled this the other night and it is indeed uh, sensational. Uh, the judges said of this, gloriously rich and full-bodied as fruity berries interlayer with a delightful rhubarb sweetness that is perfectly balanced by a wonderful spiced bitterness evolving to the finish. A wonderfully flavoursome and characterful classic vermouth. Uh, so well done to uh, them for their 98 points. Next, a silver medal winner with 92 points, Tosso Gamondi, Vermouth di Torino Superiore Rosso, produced with DOCG Moscato d'Asti to an ancient recipe from Carlo Gamondi. The judges said of this, fresh and interesting on the nose and palate as plums intertwine with sweet herbs, chocolate and a vibrant kick of pepper. Well-balanced bitterness with a lovely rounded mouthfeel. 
And here's a famous name, synonymous for many of us with that fantastic advert of the late 1970s with Leonard Rossiter and Joan Collins. You'll remember it as soon as I mention it. The one on an aeroplane where he flicks the seat switch backwards and she ends up with uh, this all over her front. Uh, Cinzano Vermouth Rosso from Gruppo Campari won a bronze medal. The judges said, sweet plum and prunes embrace the nose and palate, well balanced by bitter clove and cinnamon notes. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. We're celebrating vermouth on this special edition of The Drinking Hour. And uh, Roberto, let's come back to you because um, Cocky, we talked about the history of uh, the Cocky brand, but um, so many of the producers that you represent have this long, illustrious history. You've seen a real resurgence in interest in vermouth, haven't you? Yes, we, we did. Uh, actually, the, the historical brands in the vermouth, uh, uh, the column that are growing the category, and in some way they, they made the history, but also they saved the vermouth in the centuries. Um, when we say historical, we mean uh, 150, 200 years old uh, uh, companies still existing, which is uh, very interesting. <laughs> but there's a role also in the, from the newcomer because they, they bring freshness, uh, the interest to, to the category, they wake up uh, the, the, the new public. Uh, the more energy we have, uh, the, the better we'll, uh, we'll go. Um, the, the, the Renaissance, as I call it, uh, is... Uh, is because really of this collective work of production. Altogether, we are changing or we are building a new history. Um, I would say that sales have started to go again all over the world. We had a little uh, break during COVID, but not uh, horrible as we expected actually, because our main partner, which are cocktail bar and barman, had to stay on the sofa for a while, unfortunately. Mm. But um, the new interest started uh, before COVID, so there was like a tail of, of sales going on, moving to, uh, uh, to the shelf of shops. So people started to do their own Negroni, or they wanted to drink a good vermouth at home, uh, and this was of good help. In numbers, it uh, made us lose uh, uh, only, I would say, 17% of the total uh, sales uh, versus uh, the non-COVID times, which is really not a dramatic, I would say. On the contrary, now it's growing again because the trend was growing. I would say that the interest uh, is directed to premium vermouth. And, uh, and you, if you talk about the, the entry-level vermouth, which I don't know, in England could be less than 10 uh, actually, uh, this, uh, uh, this is losing uh, uh, some digit uh, uh, every year because it's, a, it's, a, it's an old market. On the contrary, the, 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 the premium vermouth are growing aggressively. The only problem is that the number of the entry level are so big that uh, uh, a little uh, losing in, the, in the, that numbers is more than the growth of the premium vermouth. But it's a trend, it's happening. So step mm. by step, we are working to, to better the vermouth offer all over the world. 
And I mentioned uh, my uh, favourite barman, Salvatore, uh, in, in the bar I love in Rome and his uh, epic uh, Negroni. Uh, but um, Cocky, I, I talked about his enthusiasm for it. He, he evangelises about it. But Cocky is something of a reference point in the world of aromatised wine, isn't it? Uh, yes, there are, again, two, two reasons. Um, first of all, we came out... Uh, Believing in the category, when uh, the crowd, the producer, was was keen to produce something else, uh, and and we were keen on working on the Devemo di Torino identity, so oh, we came out pushing a lot against the trends, a, a double expensive product compared to the entry level, and uh, but uh, much better. And uh, in the same time, there was a, a, and there is a new generation of bartender who are very keen in working on ingredients. So we came to be the right good ingredients in the right historical moment, and, uh, and it was a boom. Uh, so, uh, of course, we, 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 we are very specific. We go to best barmen. I mean, we are not very, um, in every shop, uh, we are not big enough to do it. But, uh, uh, yeah, Cocchi also um, is a specialist in aromatized wines. So we do the Barolo Chinato, we do the old uh, uh, Cocchi Americano, the aperitif, which is also Wormwood and Gentian uh, product, uh, etc. So we are a specialist in this, and we are seen like the specialist uh, of, of Premium Bermuda. And, and again, we like to do this with a group of uh, producers which believe in the category. And this is why, altogether, we rebuilt the Vermo di Torino appellation, which is today the only uh, guaranteed appellation in the, in the world for Vermouth. We are very proud of this. Uh, we are very proud. The best is yet to come. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. I'm, I can understand why you're, you're very uh, proud of that uh, fact as well. Um, John, you would be uh, one of those, uh, well, you were one of those bartenders, very experienced cocktail maker. So um, in the time that you've been making and mixing uh, these wonderful drinks, um, have you seen uh, a boom in, in kind of interest and sales of uh, these premium uh, vermouths? Undoubtedly. Uh, you only have to look at the market um, very much led by um, the fantastic work of uh, Koki and uh, the Bava family. But there are a, a multitude of styles of aromatized wine, not only coming from the, the, the land of Torino, which, you know, it, it, without a doubt is, is the, the mecca of, of the classic sweet Italian vermouth. But you can look uh, globally now. But I think this was all led from and I think Roberto is completely right, is led by people that were looking at ingredients. And that can be spread as wide as culinary or to the quality of premium spirits as well. Because from the 70s and 80s, there, there really did need to be some work invested into um, looking at quality produce. Uh, and when some of these brands looked in, internally to better and premiumize some of these brands, it was only a matter of time that vermouth as a category had to look 
into that, that premium sector. Because if you have a cocktail ingredients, which are three and two, only two of them are premium, then you know, that you're only as good as your weakest point. So thank goodness to Cocky, but also to, to the brands that have, have, have come um, after. And you mentioned the, I hadn't really fully thought about this, the, uh, with your experience in mixology, the extent to which the vermouth kind of binds to the, the other ingredients, which is uh, really fascinating. I mean, is that, um, is that true of, 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 of vermouth in, in every cocktail? Uh, undoubtedly. There is a, a very famous book that gave the bartenders a voice. It was um, Jerry Thomas's book. Uh, it was written in um, the 1860s and it gave them a platform. Uh, in the 1860s in America, where it was um, the, the, the birth of the cocktail golden age, as we call it, you would have brandy, you would have gin, you would have whiskey, and you would have Italian vermouth and very little else, maybe some uh, different types of bitters. So within all of these recipes, that is, you know, the, the founding fathers of our, 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 our foundations of cocktail creation. And that is one of, you know, one of the primary ingredients. So it is a no-brainer to some of our, our, our most um, celebrated cocktails. Well, I bet you make a mean Negroni. Uh, Luca, uh, the Negroni is... Um, absolutely hands down my favourite cocktail. Um, I have loved it for years, uh, to be honest, but um, but that's because I, I've it's so enjoyed uh, travelling in, in Italy for so many years and I, I just fell in love with it in Rome at the bar I mentioned. But um, the Negroni is now the height of fashion. Has that single cocktail been a significant factor, do you think, in sales of, of vermouth? Uh, definitely, David. Um, the Negroni, you know, it's it, it is a staple. We can we can say it's the uh, piece of resistance of any drink list around the world uh, as an Italian icon. It's it's always been there, you know, but uh, it's an historical uh, drink. But it was approached in its recent uh, renaissance by younger generations in the past few years, thanks to the fundamental work, of course, of uh, bartenders, experts, who spread the seeds for for this uh, rediscovery and. Uh, uh, and, and it was approached as a, as a cool, uh, sophisticated alternative, you know, to spritz and prosecco in terms of aperitivo. Uh, also, thanks to the evolution of craft gin and, of course, vermouths. So uh, the three the three components of this Negroni uh, they all grew together in terms of quality in the in the recent years, and uh, so all this boosted the sales of vermouth for sure. And, and the perception of this uh, fundamental ingredient uh, for the Negroni uh, among the consumers, because you know some people started drinking Negroni without knowing what was inside it, but then they got more curious and, and conscious of the single ingredients, demanding more vermouth and eager to understand this, uh, this, this, uh, this Piedmontese traditional product. And Roberto referenced the premiumization of uh, vermouth. Uh, you're an export uh, manager, director, so you, you're looking at um, uh, international markets all the time. Is that something you've really noticed in recent years, this, uh, this march towards premium? Yes, uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's very interesting because uh, 
you see market where they are really at the beginning. So they have uh, one or two brands and the, 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 the revolution is still uh, uh, far. Uh, you have a market where they are, they started, so they are looking for ingredients, and you have the very sophisticated uh, markets like, uh, okay, London, New York, uh, etc. So it's fun. Uh, I, I could see how in last 10 years, all of these uh, steps uh, are, are in the same time all over the world. So, uh, but you know what's going to happen when they are in the kindergarten, you know how fast uh, it will happen who will be the protagonist of next step. Uh, like some, I, I've, I witnessed uh, Singapore. Uh, Singapore was uh, an old fashioned uh, place uh, years ago for, for cocktail. Uh, you know, the Singapore slings, etc. It was a sleepy beauty. And suddenly one or two barmen came and opened a bar and it was enough to start the old story. Uh, so we really see the uh, ingredients of these uh, renaissance coming. Uh, not all the markets are ready at the same time. And I would say that uh, even Italy was not uh, the most advanced market. We, we watch you, we watch London <laughs> and, and New York to understand what's going to happen. Um, also the way we drink, etc., etc. If we talk about the school, of drinking, I would say that we, we have a long historical school of neat drinking. So all these uh, mixology, it's Anglophone. We, with the very exception of the futurists uh, in, the, in the 30s, which they did uh, fantastic uh, things, but almost unknown, uh, we are neat drinkers. Amaro, vino, vermouth, etc. So now we are learning to mix uh, uh, as a, a new rebirth of, uh, of a school of mixology in a way. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, Luca, um, do you, um, as producers, um, Luca, do you mind the fact that your your uh, creations are then mixed with other creations? It's it's it, is that a compliment or I mean, I can imagine certain um, uh, sort of winemakers uh, not liking that very much. Yeah, well, actually, I think um, as long as it's seen as a specific product, a specific um, staple for as an ingredient for other cocktails, I think it's a. I mean, it's a it's a compliment. You can um, definitely use the vermouth as a, as a tool for for great uh, cocktails, and uh, you can also have it straight if you want. And uh, uh, so, I mean, for for me, it's always uh, a great thing to see my uh, products in uh, the in the bars and in the mixing lines of uh, great uh, high-end bars all over the world. And it's, of course, um, it's just an ingredient that makes the cocktail great. Well, we're going to find out what uh, makes uh, vermouth great and, and how you judge one uh, very shortly. So uh, stay with us. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Time for three more medal-winning vermouths. First up, a gold medal winner, Tritico Vermouth Rosé from Domenis, 1898. Founded, you guessed it, in 1898, and also an accomplished producer of grappa. An attractive fuchsia colour, the judges said of this, 
attractive and vibrant with red fruit aromas and a lovely bitterness on the palate that blends beautifully with subtle spice. Masterful integration of flavours, crescendoing towards a long and bittersweet finish, which is flecked with a minty freshness. Also from that Tritico range, 1898 Vermouth Rose won a silver medal. It's a lighter red than most, or almost amber actually. It's deliciously light, bringing some real levity to a Negroni. Uh, I tried it myself in uh, my favourite cocktail. Uh, the judges said of this, wonderfully floral on the nose with a palate that sings with the bold herbaceous note that's lifted with fresh citrus, dry and spiced to the finish. Delicious. And uh, Nonis Februaris Forum Vini di Franco Cavallero Vermouth de Torino Superiore, quite a mouthful, um, and it clearly was because it won a silver medal with uh, 91 points. It's made to an old uh, Piemonte recipe. The judges said, leading with floral woody aromas that are supported by a lovely complexity of herbal and wine aromas. Deliciously fruity on the palate with an enjoyable balance and concentration. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. We're celebrating vermouth in this very special edition of The Drinking Hour here on Food FM. And uh, Roberto, let's uh, come back to you because I want to talk a little about the levels of sweetness, uh, the elements of bitterness and the kind of herbal botanical character in vermouth because they can vary um, quite significantly uh, across the category, can't they? Yes, you, you heard John earlier <coughs> talking about extra dry, dry, sweet vermouth. Uh, the law is very precise. If you want to be extra dry, you have to be less than 30 grams uh, per litre. Uh, you want to be dry, you are less than 50. Uh, if you are sweet, you are more than 130. In a way, you give uh, three tools, uh, three toys uh, to, to the uh, bartender to play in their uh, recipe. Also, there's a role in, in the color, because uh, we divide it in bianco, rosso, rosé, ambrato, uh, which is dark yellow. Uh, so this is also another variable they can play with. Uh, generally speaking, I would say that uh, um, vermouth, being uh, being uh, wine-based, uh, it it brings uh, acidity, which is interesting in a, in a cocktail. Uh, it brings some tannins. Uh, so these are also variable that uh, barmen need to uh, to use in in rebuilding a new kind of new uh, product, uh, which is the in terms of botanical, um, yes, uh, we have been thinking a lot what defined the taste of the vermouth uh, when we had to write the law uh, of Vermouth di Torino. And, uh, and there was uh, quite an interesting debate uh, because, uh, of course, there are so many uh, botanical. Uh, we, we see... We see uh, vermouth, like um, the wine, is, is the billboard uh, and on which you write with the botanical. Uh, it's quite an interesting uh, way to see it. And uh, the final taste should be a perfect balance of all of them. So um, the famous question, what should uh, a vermouth taste like, 
came with the answer, which it sounds like a joke, but it's not. A vermouth should taste of vermouth, which is all of these ingredients makes a new ingredient, which is uh, a perfect balance of uh, acidity, sweetness, uh, bitterness, uh, herbal botanical character, and uh, no one of these should overwhelm. Of course, wormwood is the base, but if a, if a vermouth tastes too much of, uh, let's say, rhubarb, it's a vermouth amaro, so it's another category. So vermouth di Torino should be the perfect balance of all of these things. And I warn you, if it tastes of banana, it's not a vermouth. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's not a gin either, is it? <laughs> um, no. Uh, so, John, um, it, when uh, you're uh, behind the bar, when you're um, an experienced mixologist, you're looking at these different styles that Roberto mentioned there, uh, the different levels of sweetness, the different botanicals, tannins, which is something that uh, I hadn't really thought about in the context of vermouth, but of course it's going to be important as well because it's a, a wine product. So what are you doing when you're creating a drink? How are you looking at all of those different elements? Well, uh, whether I ever achieved this is up for debate, but I think it's being slightly more seasoned than some of these far more talented young bartenders coming through the ranks now, I think it's important to try and leave your ego at the door. There are some fantastic producers of uh, aromatized wines and distillers of, of fantastic spirits. And in order to get the best of those, you need to listen to them. Um, so when layering and combining these ingredients it sounds very romantic, but after following a question from Roberto, I think I have to join suit. You have to listen to how they're talking to you and how they're enveloping on the palate. And by leaving said ego at the door, they will communicate to you um, in how they should be enveloped. And like, you know, if there's a, a, a a layer of vanilla that needs to be elongated or the, the tannins or the botanicals that can be um, accentuated or tamed with other more slightly more fruit driven. The wine itself, you can tell the mark of a good vermouth that, that there is the wine itself. This is because it is not an Amaro. Amaro is a very bitter, a very exacting, almost a hammer of flavor. Vermouth will have this wonderful roller coaster on the palate um, that will give you different flavors as they uh, open up on the palate. And if you're too clumsy with this, you'll miss the opportunity to enjoy them. Really interesting. Luca, if I bring you in, um, how do you advise uh, your customers in some of the world's best bars to use your products? Well, uh, it depends on the vermouths. We have different uh, ranges of vermouths, like classic ones uh, are so classic vermouth di Torino, uh, the classic white, red, and dry. They can be used for uh, mixing, uh, making you know perfect uh, Milano Torino, uh, you know, from, with 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 a nice bitter. And, um, and some other typical cocktails like uh, Negroni um, from, you know, uh, Martinez, Boulevardier, this, this, kind of, uh, this kind of cocktails here. Uh, we, of course, have also um, some, have some Superiore uh, that is a specific uh, 
category of uh, Vermouth di Torino uh, with uh, slightly higher ABV and and some uh, some specific uh, rules about uh, the wine content that must be uh, at least fifty percent from from local grapes from Piedmont and it can also be um, drunk you know straight uh, neat. Um, as as a pleasure, you know, uh, or maybe you know, joining pairing it with some chocolate, so in a more hedonistic way. Uh, but this doesn't mean that it can't be used in a perfect Negroni, of course. This is a general just uh, rule, a general um, you know attitude we we have with with our products. But of course, uh, the bartenders are keys, so they can make uh, some incredibly Good and, uh, and 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 you know perfectly balanced uh, new cocktails every day with our products. So we leave them to experiment. Also, we 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 provide some keys for them, but then uh, it's 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 up to the the bartender to create some magic. Yeah, and that's what the they do. The, that alchemy that I mentioned uh, is just in- incredible. Um, John, when you're judging a vermouth, then because you uh, look after that category at the IWSC, uh, who, who sponsor this programme. Um, what are you looking for? How do you assess a vermouth? Well, I think, um, I actually think a lot of the points and a lot of the, the journeys that I look for have been mentioned in, and, and talked about so far um, throughout this. Balance, obviously, is, is key. Vermouth is not just about any one thing. It is a, a, a multitude of disciplines coming together. So it is about the wine. There's a, a obvious level of botany knowledge that is needed. And then the production process is key because throughout all of this, you may have the best ingredients list known to man, but if you cannot bring it together with harmony, then you will obviously fall at the last hurdle. So what I look for whilst judging a vermouth is this journey. As I, I, I mentioned earlier on, it should give you this wonderful roller coaster, maybe even a few U turns, a few bit, a bits, you know, it, it should open up on the palate. But it does have to have these, these key points that, that menthol note of wormwood, the, the grape varietal, the how integrated the level of sugar is versus the other elements uh abv plays a part in how you deliver that that process so it's it's very hard to 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 pinpoint any one thing just that i suppose that balance is is paramount really yeah it's a kind of uh, that old adage about the uh the sum being greater than its parts i suppose as well yeah, Absolutely. yeah no, I like Absolutely. that makes a huge amount of, of sense. Um, so, uh, Roberto, um, you've, uh, at Cocky, you've seen this, what you described as this you know, new Italian renaissance uh, for uh, uh, vermouth. What uh, happens now? I mean, are, do, do you kind of plan to innovate? Um, uh, because you're all about tradition, really, aren't you? Interesting. Well, um, for some reason, I may surprise you, but uh, I don't like a lot of the word tradition uh, because if we added the tradition to drink a bad vermouth, actually we want to change the tradition. Uh, I work a little more about identity. So it's more about keeping the good things that prove to be consistent 
and, uh, and, and with a continuity, etc. In that case, quality. In that case, I, I can read the tradition. Um, at Koki, we, uh, our motto is we come out with a new vermouth every 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we are not that fast, uh, but when it's out, it's good. And there's a reason, and there's an identity, etc. So maybe that being at 130 years now, maybe a new one should come out and will probably come out. I don't want to anticipate any. As to, uh, as to the, the, what's the future, uh, maybe it was coming out, uh, we, want, uh, we want the vermouth to, uh, to be vermouth, uh, not to become too funky. Because, yeah, you can add all the flavors. We were talking about banana. But uh, if we have uh, the low, if we have the vermouth di Torino low, this is a guarantee also for the bartender, uh, which means uh, if you need a vermouth, it tastes of vermouth. If you want to add banana, you can do it. Put a drop of celery, fruit, what else? It's your job. But you have to uh, rely and, 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 and be sure that when you read Verme di Torino, it's really what you're looking for. And it will not change uh, from batch to batch, possibly, because uh, other way also your cocktail will change. So consistency is also one of the characteristics that the identity, both of brands, but also of, uh, thanks to God, the law will come. So, uh, yes, again, uh, I'm very positive. We just started the, uh, uh, the Renaissance. There's a lot to do. We, we know that the new generation is, uh, is with us, uh, but uh, we understand that we have uh, to, uh, to win uh, the, the, the father generation because uh, they refrain uh, in, the, in the recent year to drink vermouth for some reason. So we have to go back also to not only the children, but also the father. <laughs> mm, interesting, yeah. So you teased us there that maybe something will come along. I think we can safely say it's not going to be new banana cocky uh, by the sound of it. Uh, but uh, um, Luca, um, I'll ask you the same question. Are you um, innovating uh, there at uh, Distilleria Qualia or is it more again about um, upholding tradition? Well, uh, honestly, for us, tradition comes first. I mean, the heritage of the Qualia family is key. Uh, consumers appreciate the history, the family recipes. Um, we still make vermouth almost as we did 100 years ago with long infusions, uh, sourcing the best ingredients, refusing the use of uh, modern shortcuts, synthetic flavors, preservatives, and so on. So when it comes to extractions, time of infusion, um, how we transfer the liquid and so on, we definitely stick to the past to guarantee the highest quality. But that doesn't mean that we, we don't have an eye on, on innovation, of course, because we have always to uh, keep an eye focused on the modern taste and the, um, uh, the request uh, of the customers. So, for instance, the blend of the wines used for our vermouth has changed during the years approaching a more bitter taste than in the past, where, where Moscato, you know, Moscato d'Asti, for example, was um, dominating the, uh, the structure, the, the backbone of the vermouth. Uh, we also repropose the dry, which had been 
um, shelved over the years from uh, from also from from the production that, uh, that we did in the past from the 70s it disappeared a bit uh, and it has a, just a modern touch uh, so it's not not so french not so italian it's sort of per se driver move uh, same thing for the packaging you know it, uh, it the packaging has to follow modern standards uh, for us with lighter glass bottles uh, recyclable label paper uh, keeping an eye on the uh, organic. There's always a great demand for organic ingredients and uh, compostable cork and this kind of, of things. So innovation is found everywhere in some machineries and so. But as the way we make the vermouth, uh, so extractions again, the need long infusions and so, we definitely stick to the past. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. A combination of the uh, the tradition and the the best bits of the new. Uh, John. Um, Finally, um, this is a bit like um, the the look that I got when I asked uh, Jancis for her favourite wine, I suspect. Um, but um, uh, have you got a favourite cocktail that involves vermouth? I think that just depends on what type of, what time of the day it is, what day it is, um, how <laughs> I'm feeling. But I think we've, we've very much spoken about the Negroni. I think there is no doubt that the Negroni is part of the the boom of vermouth. For me, the Manhattan has to be uh, rewarded such accolade. But I thought, um, I think possibly not everybody when drinking um, stirred cocktails, what I mean is your, your martinis, your Manhattans, they are very spirit forward. So one and done, possibly. I wish I adhered to that rule myself, but <laughs> there is a cocktail that I think encapsulates um, that stirred down, but also celebrates the, the fortified category. Uh, and it is a, a drink called the Adonis. Um, and it is uh, a beautiful drink that uses Torino or sweet Italian or um, sweet vermouth and is stirred with uh, Fino Sherry and it equal parts uh, and some uses orange bitters or some don't but it is beautifully simplistic and complex in equal proportions so the adonis i'm going to go with as my favorite fortified wow cocktail. okay that sounds delicious. You'll have to mix me one of those uh, one day. And yes, um, I, I kind of wish I managed to adhere to the rule. I think it was Dorothy Parker who famously said you should only ever have one Negroni, two at the very most, three you're under the table, four you're under the host. And uh, that, I think, is a, uh, probably the best place to, uh, to, to leave it today. Um, gentlemen, um, thank you very much. I've learned so much in uh, the last uh, almost an hour. It's been absolutely fascinating. It's wonderful to explore some of the history, uh, to learn more about what goes into uh, vermouth. It's uh, an incredible uh, drink, and it's been really wonderful to uh, celebrate it here today. So um, thank you very much indeed for joining us on The Drinking Hour. Grazie, David. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was lovely Absolute. being here. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for this uh, special edition of The Drinking Hour dedicated to vermouth. Thank you to Roberto, John and Luca. Thank you for listening. You can follow us at Food FM Radio on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me. I'm Mr. Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, thanks for joining us. And please come back next time. 
The Drinking Hour on Food FM.